Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey there, you're listening to the Altenar Stars. That is the name of the show. My name is Chris Payne. I'm your host and probably the most listened to episode of the show that I've had over the past few months. Actually, definitely the most listened to show. Actually, the first country show I did on the Altenar Stars branched out a little bit. Uh, We called it Country Music is Changing and Here's How. I had a couple writer friends of mine come on the show and they taught me a lot about country music and got a lot of really positive response from you guys about that one. So I said, you know what? I want to do another country-themed podcast, but this time I want to have a musician on. So her name is Ashley Monroe. She recently, this year, put out her third, third studio album. It's called The Blade. It's very, very good. I suggest you check it out. I had her come by the office. She was nice enough to swing by day of the opening day of her her U.S. headlining tour before playing Bowery Ballroom here in New York. And this was a fun talk. She uh, she had just played a mall in southern New Jersey the day before, which I was actually familiar with. So we'll talk about that. Talk about Nashville. Her husband's a baseball player, and I love baseball, so I asked her about that, of course. Songwriting being friends with Miranda Lambert, if there's going to be a new Pistolani's album. It sounds like there probably will be. She was pretty positive with that, so something to look forward to. So here it is, Ashley Monroe on the Alton Our Stars podcast. Enjoy. Let's get started. It's here with Ashley Monroe in the Billboard office in New York. How long, mm-hmm. how long have you guys been in town? We've been in town about three hours. I, I drove in, or we drove in from um, Philadelphia this morning. Okay. where you, you played Philadelphia last night? I did an appearance for Lippman's Jewelry at a mall outside of Philadelphia. It's really complicated. Well, what's the name <laughs> of the mall? Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill? I know that mall. Yeah, it was I a good mall. mall. It really was. I was singing in the middle of the mall. I felt like Santa Claus... Like oh wow! <laughs> do do you know specifically? Is it the exact same place where they have Santa Claus come? And... It was because I looked, and they were just starting to undo all of the Christmas decorations. Okay. <laughs> Santa's opening act. Okay. <laughs> What's so? It was. I guess it's like a, probably a shorter performance. Yeah, I did three songs acoustic for the new Love Jewelry line that Platinum Jewelry has out, which is really really beautiful. 
and they just draped me in platinum things, and I went out there with my guitar and sang three songs and took pictures and went home. Wow, that's... I went to the hotel home. (laughs) I think a lot of people would be jealous of that performance. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And the mall has really good acoustics, I noticed. Because malls have those big ceilings. Yes. And I was hitting all like the high notes, and I thought, my gosh, people are hearing this all over the mall. I hope. I sound okay. (laughs) (laughs) Too late. (laughs) So the Cherry Hill Mall in Cherry Hill, New Jersey got a great show. They did. Have you ever, because that's like, I'm from much like further north in New Jersey, closer to New York City, but I still know that mall because it's like a very, very well-known, very reputable mall. Yeah. It was a quality mall. Too bad I had on super huge hills, so I was like, I cannot walk around this mall in these, but I should have just bought flats. I thought about it. Anyway. <laughs> couldn't walk the mall. No, I couldn't walk the mall. <laughs> I went back, ordered room service, and watched the Amy Winehouse documentary. Oh, how did you like it? Loved it. It actually inspired me. Yeah. It really inspired me to start writing more by myself. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So push the collaborators aside. Is that, that, that's what you're saying. Like, on, like writing on your own, you said, by yourself. Oh, yeah. I just want to start doing it more. So many times, like, we, as a, as a songwriter, like, I'll think, oh, this would be, I'll start something and go, oh, this would be great for so-and-so to help me write. Or, uh-huh. But it, it's almost like you get, la- not lazy, but kind of, you just, you don't force yourself to write to finish it, you know? Yeah, um, as far as as far as the new album, the Blade, are how many songs are just you? None of them. None are just of them. Me. I don't think I've ever released a song that was just me. I've mm. written some, but I normally have the ideas. <laughs> I'll just take. I just. It's in Nashville. You're so spoiled. You have so many people that are like, "Hey, you want to help me write this song? I've got this great idea, and you kind of want to share it." Yeah, and I bet they come to you a lot of the time. You don't even really have to do too much work, probably. I'll shoot some text. I did get two of my favorites, Gordy Sampson and um, Shane McNally, to come in on a Saturday because I had this idea for a song, and I was like, "Guys, I really think that this would be a big song. Let's just let's just work on a Saturday." Mm-hmm. And they did, so that was good. Cool, cool. Shane worked on the uh, the Sam Hunt album, right? Yeah, I don't really know what his role was. I think he wrote a lot of the songs. Um, and I, he might have produced some. I don't. I don't know. I think he did. Okay, because I love the sound of that album. He, Shane McAnally is a force. He really is. You know, he does works with Casey as well, Brandy. Mm. Um, he's an amazing, amazing writer. It's um, you can hear, you can tell when Shane writes a song. Like, oh, that's a Shane melody. Mm. So when you start writing, when you just just yourself, when you start writing these songs, if they happen, how would they be different? What would they sound like? I don't know. I was listening to some of my voice memos this morning of some ideas that I've had, and um, I can already—I don't know—I I can already tell the ones I want to write by myself. I don't know. It's kind of mountainy, and I don't know how to explain it. It sounds like me, hmm. <laughs> not influenced by anybody else. Okay. It's hard and when, to explain. And when you say mountainy, take me through what you mean by that. Minors. Okay. <laughs> I always think of like minor chords mm-hmm. um, <laughs> when I think of the mountains. But it makes me happy. Okay. I love minor chords. Okay. At first, I thought you meant like minors, like mountain. Oh, like, minor. No, I no, no. Minor. Like, sense too. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. There's there's definitely minors in the mountains. Homophones. Yeah. That's what that is, right? Yeah. Homophone. <laughs> so, my minor chord songs yes. is what we would have. And minors probably listen to minor chords because it's probably really depressing, and I know it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so wow, it was, <laughs> we we really went far away from sure the 
southern pennsylvania fancy mall (laughs) there now we're in the coal mines yeah (laughs) so take us back we're in new york now so just tell me about your experiences like playing live in new york what kind of vibe you normally get here every time i've played new york whether it was with the pistolanis or by myself i've been amazed at at how many bands like show up and really care about the music i you know you wouldn't think like oh new york they're not gonna like country music but some of the best country fans that I've ever experienced have been in New York. Um, Pistolanis did a, our, fo- our first show ever up here at Terminal 5. I think that was like three years ago. Um, but we were we were in awe. We were just like, oh my gosh. They know every song on the record. And, and it's the same with my solo stuff as well. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, seem, it seems like you had like preconceived notions that New York wouldn't like it as much. I probably just prepared for the worst somewhere because i just know mm. that there's so many people up here and there's so much music and like oh why would they like me kind of so, downplay it <laughs> so, so do you think back in nashville did they did lots of people expect like oh new york they're not gonna get it they're not gonna like it as much do you think a lot of people have that thinking not really probably just me <laughs> no i don't i don't think that anymore i just i remember the first time i played up here i was like cautiously optimistic but um after the first time, I've only had good experiences. I don't know. I've, I've written with some people from New York, and you know, it's really not that different than Nashville. It's a close knit community, and all kinds of music. Yeah, was made here. Yeah. Have you played Bowery? Because you're playing Bowery Ballroom tomorrow night. Yes. Yes. Have you played there before? I've not played the Bowery Ballroom. I've heard all about it. And I've seen pictures, and um, I'm really, really excited to. Yeah, a couple years ago, I saw KC and Brandy Clark perform there, and it awesome. went over really well. Yeah. I've seen, see, I'll ch- I check Twitter to see, like, oh, who's coming, um, and I've seen people that are excited, so it's good to know that people are coming to see me and, you know, not raise their hands up in the air, and I don't really have that many fast songs, so they're probably just going to know all my songs mm-hmm. and, and be there to see me so I can just let loose and be me. Hmm. <laughs> Do you remember, like, the first place you played in New York? Um, maybe Joe's. I think that was my first place. I did two shows in one night. Yeah, I sure did. Is and that... that was acoustic. I think that was maybe me and two other players. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really amazing, too. That was a full house, and everyone was listening. Yeah. Is that Joe's Pub? Is that yeah, what it's Joe's okay. Pub. Never been there. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a good listening cool. room. Cool. And wh- when was this? Was this promoting like the first album way back like 10 years ago? Like what What was the time frame with this? I think this was around the Like a Rose time okay. frame. Which I can't really remember what year. Was that 2011? 2013. My gosh. See, I really don't pay attention to the to the years. <laughs> so that wasn't that long ago. You've, no. You have not played Nurk that many times. Yeah. It's been a while. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, um, I'm excited for this show. I hope. I think, like I said, I've seen a country show there before that went over really well. I think it'll be a good crowd. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. So you're out promoting the Blade album. Yes. And I'm interested to talk about what it's like promoting music now for you because you fought so long just to get one album out there, and now you have two in the space of like three years. So what's that like? I'm always excited to release new music just because it's where I am right now. It's kind of like a journal of where I am in my life. And um, 
I don't really get nervous when I release new music either. You know, people will say, did you care what the you know critics thought of The Blade after receiving so much, you know, so many good reviews for Like a Rose? And it was like, you know what? I I overthink everything in life, and I cannot overthink music. You know, that's my that's my safe place. Um, yeah. So if it feels good, and if I mean it, and I'm being genuine, and I like it, mm. that's all I can do, and I can hope for the best from the public. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So like, and how far are you into the tour so far? It starts tomorrow. Oh, so this is oh, the first. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was York. saying with the, with the mall show, it seemed like there would. I would. I guess I just assumed that there was traveling and performing before. Oh, that. there's been a lot of traveling and performing. I I've been on the road with Little Big Town, some with Roscoe Flats, Miranda, um, some solo things. But this is like the beginning of the official tour. Okay. Yeah. Wait, was all of that just recently? All of what you just said, or is that just over? That was this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So, what did you record the album at all on the road? No, no, no. I, you know, we worked on that a lot last year at Vince's house, and we probably finished it up. I would say late last year. The Blade okay. was actually the last song I recorded, which is the title of the record, ironically. Mm. So we just we, we did it at Vince's house, and he has a studio in his house. So okay. I like to record there. Okay. <laughs> Had you have you recorded there before? Yep, we recorded Like a Rose there, and it's just super cozy and you get to go in his kitchen and eat and Amy Grant will pop in every now and then. It's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I love it here. So you like the homey vibe when you're, when you're making an album. I do. Even if like anytime I've recorded, I like to kind of make it vibey or be in a, you know, make, turn the lights down and make it like you're just hanging out. No pressure. Mm-hmm. Just sing perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and and you you live in Nashville still, right? You yes, live in I Nashville. live in Nashville. I'm how- from Knoxville, but live in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, so how far are you from Vince's place? Just like you just like hopping over? Yeah, it's like ten minute ten minutes, I guess. Oh yeah. So that's a nice little setup. Just a quick drive. Like, yeah. Place to hang out, relax, get yeah. some food, make some music. Yeah, and then go drive home. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I've I've went over there, you know, and in moments of despair, just needing like some help. I'd drive over there and show up at their door like, Oh, I'm sad. Whatever. Just they're, you and an acoustic they're good guitar. Friends to have, yeah. Sing to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thinking about like a rose, I feel like a lot of the lyrics on that album, like especially on the title track, were kind of like telling your backstory and just telling about yourself. And now it seems like on the new album, it's more just like feelings now. Yeah. Y- you think so? Feelings now. I buried your love alive. Now that's from the past. Mm. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's kind of a mixture of, of both um, on the new album. Um, but it definitely it definitely does showcase where I am right now. I, I'm such a sucker for sad songs. It's so hard for me to just sing a happy song. <laughs> but at least they both have some of those on them. Hmm. Why, why do you think you mostly write sad songs? Because that's the feelings I store, you see, inside. And then when I'm happy, I'm just happy. And I don't really feel inspired to talk about it. Huh. Just enjoy it and hold on to it. <laughs> so the songwriting process is that release for you then? It definitely is that release. I started writing right after my dad died when I was 13. So it was pretty instant that connection happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like when you around the time you first moved to Nashville, right? I moved to Nashville with my mom when I was 15. So I stayed in Knoxville for you know, a year and a half after my dad passed, and then I was like, we got to go. So then when I moved to Nashville, I was riding every day with anyone who would, and 
everyone who would. Yeah. yeah. And like I've heard you say before, you you really didn't have, you didn't know what the exact process was. This is how you become a songwriter. You were just sort of doing whatever felt right. right? Yeah. I really had no idea, you know, how do you sit in a room with somebody else? Because at that time I'd only written by myself and I was like, oh my gosh, what if I say something stupid? And I had to learn early on that you have to say stupid things to get it out. And then you'll say something brilliant, hopefully. Um, huh. But yeah, I, and I I realized that I could really hold my own kind of early on too. I, I was just like, you know what? I'm not intimidated by these like big hit men songwriters. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I can, I can write with you guys. And I would always show up prepared when I wrote. Like I would never come in without at least three ideas that I thought were really good. And like music started for me and everything. I still do that. Hmm. So, yeah, we should take people a little bit into this process of what it's like being in the songwriting room or whatever you call it. Yeah. So you're like sort of doing homework and coming with your best ideas beforehand, working on your own and bringing those. I always do. And, and you know, sometimes I can have a bunch of ideas and then somebody else starts playing something and we end up writing that, you know. But I always like to just play my ideas and see if any of them catch on. Um no, I have so many voice memos on my phone, on my phone of ideas and a list of titles. So I like to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned the voice memos before. Yeah, and you mentioned like wanting to get the, get the bad ideas out. Yeah. Can you? What are like the wackiest ideas for titles you have in the voice memos? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I probably deleted them. I went through them on the plane the other day. They're <laughs> like, no, what were you thinking? What were you drinking? <laughs> um. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell because sometimes like things I've noticed Guy Clark is a guy that he'll say a line that at first you think that is so bizarre. That is so wild. Like, of course, we're not going to use that. And then he'll write it down. You're like, my gosh, Guy Clark's writing it down. And then (laughs) the whole song makes sense when it comes to that line. So nothing's ever really dumb. There's a fine line between stupid and brilliant. And that's really the truth. (laughs) Well, here we should drop in some music. Let's put a little bit of onto something good. Yeah. So that one's from the new album. Oh, I wanted to ask about Monroe Swig. That's my favorite song of yours. Hey, thank that you. Song's, that song's neat. Um, is it this persona you're singing from in Monroe Swig, this kind of like outlaw vibe, mm-hmm. how much of this is true? What, Where is this coming from? Well, like my mom didn't play piano in a Pentecostal church or anything. I think it's like the, it kind of is, um, it's like the wilder side of me or the gypsy side of me, like if I were a little bit more rough and had been arrested or something, that would be Monroe Suede. <laughs> so no arrest? Uh, no, not that I remember. No. Didn't no, I've ha- not been arrested yet. Yet. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have one foot in the grave. No, yeah, I've no. had one foot oh, in the grave. Yeah. Hell yeah, I've had plenty of times. I had one and a half feet in the grave. When was that? Oh, over a plethora of years. That's a whole nother Recording. Another, That's another a whole nother conversation. Yeah, a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that one. I'm going to do that one in my shows just because I love singing it. A lot of times people are like, what is it about? It's like, I don't even necessarily know. It just it just came out. I like it. 
Yeah, and I, and you were mentioning not having a ton of fast songs. That one would go over really well yeah, live. I've got that one situated perfectly between my ballads. Okay, okay. It, on this tour, is this a new set list you're playing? It is. I wanted to do a mixture of... I figured if people were showing up, they probably knew Like a Rose album and maybe knew Satisfied. Um, so I just thought, yeah, I just want to play my favorites from all those and um, hope they like it. Mm. I'll find out. <laughs> and do you perform like songs that you wrote for other people, but like that other people recorded? I've recorded, or I mean, I've performed Heart Like Mine that I wrote with Miranda before, or a lot actually. I performed that one. Um, and some Pistolani's ones sometimes. I wrote a song for Jason Aldean called The Truth, but I don't do that one much anymore. It's another ballad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hit, mm. but. <laughs> A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. It's hit. So fast songs, I feel like that's that's what you're going for now. Got, got to space out the set with some fa- some bangers. To keep oh it yeah, I've got some bangers. <laughs> well, maybe that maybe those will be the uh, the Ashley Monroe songs that you do on your own. Maybe they'd be fast songs, but you actually you said they would be minor, so probably not. No, no, they won't be. I promise you, if I wrote songs of <laughs> myself, it will be the slowest, most depressing thing ever. But it'll be pretty melody. Mm. <laughs> but it won't be fast. Let's play a little bit of Monroe Suede so people know what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, wanted to ask about weed. Yeah. Weed instead of roses. Yes. <laughs> is it in Nashville? How do you think taboo is it now to sing about weed, if at all? Like, what's the attitude on that? I don't really think it's taboo as as much as it used to be taboo. Um, I wrote that song when I was nineteen, so that's ten years ago. <clears throat> I, co- I had an idea going into a writing appointment. Um, with Sally Barris and John McElroy. And I was like, guys, this is so corny and silly, but I'm just, I got tickled on the way here because this idea came to me. And they're like, let's write it. Let's just make it raunch, you know? So we did. And I, the only the person out that would have cut it was Gretchen Wilson. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, we should pitch this to Gretchen. You know, she'd kill this. Um, and I guess she passed because you know, <laughs> I did. I ended up getting it. <laughs> I never got a royalty check or anything. But um, I just said, put that on a comp and. Vince heard it and said, if you don't cut that song, I'm not producing your record. So <laughs> I was like, okay, here we go. I'm glad I did. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing about this mindset where you're thinking, you're writing a song, but thinking, huh, whose persona does this fit? Or yeah. is it mine? Well, it ended up being mine, turns out, um, later in life. <laughs> it ended mm. up fitting into my life. But at the time, it was kind of like, and then funny. Not that I didn't like weed back then, but I wasn't married or anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. Like, I guess if – so do you feel like you have a persona that's like a definite thing that people would know like, oh, this fits for an Ashley song? I don't know if I do or not actually. Sometimes I'll hear – like if I have I've written a song and it's been on Nashville, I'll see people tweet like, did Ashley Monroe write this song? And they're mm -hmm. right. Like I did. Um, that happened the other day. I didn't even know that my song was – going to be on the show actually and I saw somebody tweet like did Ashman write this song no sense at all and I was like yes I did how did you know <laughs> but he said it sounds like an Ashman melody so maybe I do have something that people recognize hmm I don't know so it's it sounds like it's it's in the melody or at least for this one person it was yeah I think it is probably hmm. the melody I don't know what it is though huh. like I said I can't overanalyze music people try to ha ask me to you know, kind of explain what kind of music do you sing it's like it's so hard for me to I mean, it's obviously country, but it's just what I feel. Hmm. Feelings country. Feelings, Feelings country. country. Emotional country. <laughs> um, wanted to ask about Brendan and the Raconteurs, too. Yeah. I saw a um, tweet that Ricky Skaggs had tweeted, like a throwback picture of that day. Raconteurs, I've always loved them, and Brendan Benson... Um, it's one of my best friends in the world now. I mean, I'm so thankful that we met. That's one of my musical soulmates for sure. Um, after we did that collaboration, it was so much fun. We, we were there all, we were there to like midnight, you know, just jamming. Um, and Brendan and I started writing. We started a song, I feel like that day on the set. And then we started writing every day at three o'clock at his house for months and months and months after um we shot that video and that was 2008 so um and then we have a song together now on the blade called mayflower which was one of my favorites mm -hmm. but i still want to do a collaboration record with brendan for sure hmm and that was and that's that's old enough we're talking about for the record old enough it's, yeah okay. jack white had emailed me he had heard me on the opry um he was listening to 6:50 a.m and he had emailed me saying that love my voice and he had been thinking about something that we could all work on together and Raconteurs is doing a bluegrass version of Old Enough will you come and um, sing on it and we're rehearsing at you know, my house the night before I was like yep I'll do it absolutely there you go yep have you kept up with Jack yes I always really up with Jack. yeah he's my buddy <laughs> okay he's a good guy he um recently I did like a thing recorded straight to acetate at Jack White's third man there in Nashville. It was like a private party or something. I walked in and he had like all of his staff there and him and Brendan came and it was really awesome. It was really nerve wracking because uh, it was live to acetate and 
it's really nerve wracking. But I got through it. I think I haven't listened. <laughs> so that that's one because I know he does a series like that. So that's when you go to Third Man Records mm-hmm. in Nashville, you play a few songs, and he presses a record right there. Yep, right. I didn't realize how much pressure it was until that day, like right before I went on. I was like, there's no room for error. They're like, just do it like a normal show. And after like the first song, I, since there was a crowd, you know, I kind of forgot, kind of forgot they were recording. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's their thing. Like I interviewed his other band, the Rack and, or the, uh, the Dead, Dead Weather Bird, ones. Yeah. And they were telling me like, oh, we love mistakes. We want to have mistakes on our yeah. albums. And I've, I sang on the Wanda Jackson record that he produced and, um, yeah, Jack's not one to to nitpick on perfection. It's more of like the feeling he's he's trying to capture, which I love. I love recording that way. It's a lot live. Hmm. So is that something you've done a lot besides Jack, or is that or is that performance of Third Man sort of brought you into it? No, that was the only time I recorded like live to acetate. But my records, I really try to do at least the base of them live. I, I end up using my vocals that I'm tracking when the band's laying down you know, their track. Cause I feel like there's an energy you capture there where, you know, if I'm really into the song and I start singing softer, the band kind of comes down with me or if they get louder, I'm getting louder. We kind of follow each other when it's recorded live and it's really hard to capture that when it's all recorded individually. So mm-hmm. I love to do my records like that. We all, you know, the band sits around a circle and I'm behind a door. I can see them and it feels like you're just jamming. Yeah. And you have, you haven't listened to the third man recording. You know what? They came in and played me. We did like a test run uh, so just to see if really... it worked. No, no, no. Not of the, a show of one song okay. to make sure we'd, any levels <laughs> didn't need to be adjusted. Like I wasn't too loud or my guitar wasn't too loud. So we did one test song like earlier in the day to just make sure all the levels were right. And I listened to that and it sounded awesome. We did the blade. And I was like, okay, I think, you know, they're like anything you want adjusted. I'm like, no, I'm ready. Hmm. I feel like if you wanted something adjusted, they would have maybe given you like that evil eye, like, "Oh, you're, you're you, we want the mistakes." <laughs> no, don't they mess just meant like studio. sound, making sure you could hear my voice and stuff. That's all. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's really interesting because, like, I mostly cover rock and alternative music for Billboard, and in recent years, I'm just seeing more and more of like this rock presence in Nashville too. Yeah, there really are so many rock and rollers there. There's so many amazing kinds of artists in Nashville it's not just country you know people kind of get the hillbilly thing going when they think of Nashville but it's like all right yeah there's there's great bluegrass there's great country there's great rock and roll there's great blues I don't know it's kind of everything and more more people are coming yeah and it seems like what holds it together is it's guitar music yeah maybe I don't know Hmm. mine's not guitar music yeah (laughs) (laughs) It's kind yeah. of a family, though. Once you're once you're in Nashville and you kind of know everybody, you kind of know, oh yeah, that's so and so. I don't know. It just feels like one big community, so it yeah. makes it easy to collaborate when you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ten minutes away, Vince's studio. I know, there you go. right? <laughs> and I've also talked to other music writers who tell me that East Nashville is becoming like this big other thing now. Yeah, East Nashville. I don't go over there much, mainly because. Um, I just don't like to drive that far. <laughs> I really don't. Um, uh-huh. it's, there's no easy way to get to East Nashville um, from where I live. But I hear it's really hip and cool, and they have really great restaurants. And it's got—I know it has its own music scene. Um, I, I literally couldn't tell you anything else about it. 
It's like another state to me. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I just don't go over there. Because I'm not really familiar with the lay of the land. Is it like highways aren't really laid down to connect it well? Is that? Or... If you go on the highway from where I live, I have to cut over like five lanes, hurry up and get off the exit, so I don't go that way. So I could go downtown. Yeah, there's there's an easy way to get there. It's just, I don't know. It's just not my. It's, just it's not another me. world. It's just, yeah, but I've got great friends that live over there. Most of my band lives over there, and um, there's great, great musicians on that side of the town too. Yeah, <laughs> on that side of town. The other <laughs> sounds so the, far away. The doesn't other side it? of the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. And wh- what about uh, the Pisslanis? Is there more music coming from them? I think definitely there's going to be more music. I just don't know when. We started um, we've started several songs, and we have so many that we haven't even recorded yet. Um, I think next year we'll, we'll, we're going to be doing something. I just don't know what. That's yeah. the thing with us is that it's kind of when it feels right and when the timing works out and we're all not super busy, we just come back together. Schedules. Schedules, <laughs> careers. But we love each other very much lives all that stuff yep lives take up a lot of time mm. oh so i'm a big baseball fan huge oh. mlb fan so when i ask about john yeah. about the white Sox, he's coming up tomorrow yeah when i first met john i did not know anything about baseball except that when i was younger and i'd be trying to watch saved by the bell um on wgn the game like white Sox games or cubs games would be in extra innings and I'd be so upset with baseball. Like, why does anyone care? And then now I have MLB app on my phone. And I'm like, <laughs> like I put vibes into it. Like I watch his games with my hand out. It's bizarre. Um, so love makes you do crazy things, I guess. But he's been with White Sox longer than any other player now on the White Sox. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was gonna say that because most. I was looking the other day. He's been there like eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Yep. And players typically move around more than that. So yeah. there's been some stability. Yeah, there has. And I love Chicago, and especially in the summertime. Um, we get out right before it gets brutally cold. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch him and how different and alike, like the similarities in, in baseball and the music world. You know, you travel a lot, and it's a lot of pressure. But the thing about music fans is if I hit a bad note or if I trip or if I – forget words they're not going to boo me you know (laughs) if you miss a pitch like they hate you oh i couldn't take it my feelings would be so hurt all the time (laughs) and chicago's a big baseball town yes it's either white Sox or cubs which i didn't know that either until i moved there yeah i mean maybe with some some tripping on the mound you get away with it maybe phoenix or something but in chicago you're not going to get away with that yeah no you're not (laughs) So you were saying you have some sort of vibes of your your hands. You stretch your hands out when he's pitching. I do different things. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you all the things I do because I'm I've gotten like superstitious about <laughs> baseball. I never thought that would happen. Like yeah, if, like when he's on the mound, if I'm watching on TV or on my phone, I'll like send good vibes, like put my hand out, mm-hmm. and then if it doesn't work, I'll be like, forget it. <laughs> I'm not even gonna watch. <laughs> I've tried that before. Every game I don't watch, he like does really well, but I'm so nosy. I want to see how he's doing. It's really hard. <laughs> and he's a pitcher, so what is it like on the days he pitches? Is he superstitious? Do you guys talk a lot? We do not talk a lot okay. on days John pitches. <laughs> it's like minimal conversation, which is totally fine. But I learned that early on. Like, he didn't say shut up, but 
I just noticed he wasn't talking a lot, so I thought, oh yeah. And I know on show days, like I don't want to sit backstage and chit chat for, you know, five hours. I just want to be in, in the zone. And I'm sure he has some. He puts a cross behind. He draws a cross um, behind the mound every game. Um, I don't know what else his, his things are. <laughs> hmm. But there's a trash can they have <clears throat> when you go in the dugout and. I know he's kicked that a bunch of times, <laughs> and a lot of the pitchers do. A lot of the everybody on the team does. I'm always like, they should just move that trash can and put a punching bag so y'all can get it out. But I see how it can be frustrating. So this White Sox trash can or this kicking tradition is—is is this <laughs> like out of like a little tap before the game or like oh no, it's fuck like out I'm of angry. rage, yeah, okay. angry, <laughs> anger, anger, anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. How much is 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 he, is he on like a contract now? Is he like there much longer for the White Sox? I think he has this next show be his last year on the contract. Okay. I just asked him that recently though, because I truly can't keep <laughs> up with all of which he probably likes. You know, like I know just enough about baseball, um, and he knows just enough about music where we can respect what each other does, and but we don't ask a bunch of questions because we really don't know what to ask. Huh? Are you happy? Are you good? Love you. <laughs> you know. So he's not a big music person. No, he loves music. He just doesn't know about the business side of it. Like, you know, mm. he doesn't know, like, all the details. He's learning. The more I vent, the more he learns. If he's listening, <laughs> he might not be. That's all right. Well, maybe that's for the best because you probably deal with just music business kind of stuff a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go home and talk. Yeah. Talk it, shop. Really. Normally I just vent and he'll be like, it's okay. And he's he's really cool. Like, John's real chill. So if I get fired up about something, he's just like, Oh, all right. Let's cook. Let's cook some steaks. And it just kind of brings me back down. Like, oh, I love steaks. Yeah, you know, just calm steaks. Me down. Steaks bring us together. Grilling. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, hopefully the tour goes well. It's like, uh, wow. You, how much do you have coming up? How long is it? Um, it'll be eight dates total, I think. Okay. But they're spread out, you know, over November. Are we? We're almost in November. Basically. And then I think my last show's maybe December 5th, and that'll be with Little Big Town in Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then I'm going to eat some Christmas cookies (laughs) for three weeks. (laughs) Back home for the holidays. Yeah. Some Christmas steaks, maybe. Oh, Christmas steaks. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. How good. So it sounds like busy times for the next – because you were mentioning all these projects. You you want to do something with – Brendan, mm-hmm. maybe Pistol Annie's, mm-hmm. maybe your own music. So lots of things could be yeah, happening. Yeah, and I want to write. Yeah, but I'll have some time um, over these next few months to just kind of step back and reevaluate what my goals are. I'm 29, so I think about to turn 30 is like, all right, let's let's reevaluate everything, mm. which is good. It feels like a positive thing. Positive I may be thing. singing rap. This time next year, I may have released a rap album. You never know. Slinging the hooks. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ra- something? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, that's a whole nother, like songwriting game with mm-hmm. like doing a hook and sending it out there for rappers who want to rap around. Yeah. Like Dido had that thank you that Eminem wrote around oh, it. Oh, yeah. I got to get Eminem some melodies. I think he'd love them. Nate Ro- Roos, that melody. Nate's got some melodies. I know. Oh, I love Nate Roos. Mm. His voice just keeps on getting higher and it never breaks. Sometimes when I'm listening to Fun or his record in my car, 
I'll be like, all right, I'm going to sing full voice and see if I can hit this, what he's about to hit. And I never can. And my voice is high. So Nate wins the battle every time. Wow. Nate. <laughs> Nate. Killing it. I know. <laughs> what else was looking? Oh, and Nelly does a lot of collaborations with country artists. I know. I saw Nelly at one of the award shows not too long ago. I was like, oh my gosh. Nelly sitting behind me at the, C- I think it was CMT Music Awards or something. I loved country grammar. Mm. Went to the mall to get the CD the day it came out. <laughs> Back to malls. I know. <laughs> when you can buy music at malls. Those were the, man, those were the oh, days. So I nostalgic. I know. I miss Blockbuster too. I was thinking about the other day. I really miss going to rent movies. And then you could get like nerd rope and popcorn on your way out. Mm-hmm. All, all by the register. Yes. Like way overpriced. Yeah. But it's worth man, it. Man. And just like all the new releases. I remember when really distinctly like when Titanic came oh, out. Oh. When certain blockbusters, they would just have an entire wall. Oh, yeah. They would do that for the huge movies. So absurd. Daddy knew to buy me Titanic on the, the day it came out. He went to Circuit City. They must have had the biggest sale. Um, so Daddy went to Circuit City and brought me home Titanic. I wonder what happened to all those DVDs. Or they were VHS then. Yeah. I used. To, I think I still have all my VHSs in storage. I better get a VHS player quick maybe it'll be like the new vinyl maybe it will i wish it would be i miss rewinding <laughs> the an- <laughs> Dude, we get everything so quickly these days the analog film comeback <laughs> revival they lasted longer they didn't scratch as easily as dvds well, <laughs> there you go yeah well we're back in the mall i think that's a good note to end on unless there's anything else you wanted to put out there oh I don't know. Looking, Thank you. looking over at publicity. Uh, right I'm now. like, I don't know. What, yeah, what do I want to say, guys? No, I'm I'm really excited about this tour. I'm happy I'm going to be singing for people that are there to hear my music and and to write and all that stuff. I'm in New York, which makes my heart go like 20 times faster than it normally would. So I'll just be super hyped up here in New York. You got this. You got this. Like I said, I've seen great country shows. Or I saw one really good country show. I can't. I. It was just one. But yeah. it went really well. So yeah. there you go. There's a track record at Bowery Ballroom. Awesome. I'll do it. I'll do it justice. Cool. Thanks so much for coming by. Thank you for having me. That was fun. So that concludes another episode of the Alt and Our Stars. I love to get your feedback. So if you have anything to say at all, positive, negative, whatever, you can email me. My email address is chris.pain, that's C-H-R-I-S dot P-A-Y-N-E at billboard.com. Or hit me up on Twitter. It's at C-P-A-Y-N-E-O-N-A-P-L-A-N-E. And if you want to hop on iTunes and give us a star rating, that's super, super helpful for the podcast. And if you want to subscribe, too, totally should. Um, <laughs> that also helps a lot. Uh, you can head to, if you're viewing this on billboards.com, look at the last paragraph. There's an iTunes link in there where you can subscribe or anywhere else. Just search for Alt and Our Stars in, uh, in iTunes in the podcast section. And also, you can listen to archived old episodes from the very beginning there. Some recent ones we've had. Let's see, we've had Butch Vig, Nirvana, Foo Fighters produced around the podcast. We've had a punk band from Philly called Beach Slang. A rock band from Nashville called Bully. Lots of fun stuff you can check out there. And the, the archive is on iTunes. So 
yeah, a new episode runs every Friday afternoon on Billboard.com. So until the next Alts and Our Stars, have a good weekend. Peace out, everybody. Cool. Awesome. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.